Around the world, more than 80 women have accused Peter Nygaard of crimes ranging from rape to sex trafficking. He far exceeds Jeffrey Epstein. He far exceeds Bill Cosby. He exceeds anything that I think our world has seen so far. A pattern of predatory behavior spanning half a century. Nygaard denies it all. But now he faces criminal charges. If this were a poor man, he would have been in jail decades ago. He is hid in plain sight. Evil by Design, available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm going to be making peanut butter sandwiches pretty regularly, I think, because he loves them. It is one thing to make peanut butter sandwiches for your kid. It is another thing altogether, though, to be able to pack those sandwiches up in a lunchbox. Many Canadian schools have banned peanuts because of a number of kids with allergies. But for parents like Claire Ness at Ecole Emily Tremblay and Whitehorse, that all just changed. I thought it was a good sign of the relaxing of these kind of strict rules. And it's also exciting to be able to send peanut butter to school because it's so much more affordable and it keeps so much better than things like lunch meat and cheese and whatever else you can put between two pieces of bread. Marie-Hélène Garnier is the principal of École Emily Tremblay. Marie-Hélène, hello. Hi, Matt. How has the policy around nuts changed at your school? Well, um, we decided to allow nuts and peanuts um, in uh, in classrooms. That's how it's changed. <laughs> are there are there any restrictions at all in place? Yes, of course there are because uh, we have children quite young. Um, some of them start school when they're three. So classes in uh, pre-kindergarten and kindergarten still have the restrictions. Um, if um, but. Even with the restrictions, they still have to uh, be educated. I mean, children still have to be educated and, and the staff as well. But yes, there are restrictions. But other than that, I mean, kids, can, I mean, we can talk about the sandwich. People can bring the peanut butter sandwich to school. Yes. Why yes, are you doing this? Why, why are you changing these rules now? Um, because um, uh, we believe in uh, in growing, and um, we believe that uh, change is uh, is hard and is good. We also believe um, that um, it's um, it's important to listen to parents in our community, and uh, that's what we did. And um, we wanted to be inclusive, not um, with. Um, I mean, when I say inclusive, I mean with um, dietary uh, restrictions. So allowing nuts make it a lot easier for some families to pack lunches. What did you hear from parents at your school? Um, we received an email early. Um, early in the school year, um, asking um, if it was possible to revisit this policy. And um, I said, yes, let's do it. So we, we did. That's, what, that's how it started. I don't know if that was your question. No, no, it is. But what, <laughs> I mean, hearing, hearing parents have different, and I ask you this because this is a really divisive yeah. issue and it's a very sensitive yes. issue. And so parents will have yes. different perspectives depending on, for example, whether their child has a severe nut allergy or not. What did you hear from well, parents whose, whose kids yes. might have those severe allergies? Actually, um, that's what I was going to follow with. Most of the parents who um, actually were part of this committee, because we, we, we put together a committee for discussion, 
And uh, they were either um, living with uh, anaphylactic allergies or uh, were parents of children with severe allergies, which was kind of very, um, very interesting. And those parents were quite, none of them uh, wanted to, um, to abolish nuts. Like most, they all wanted nuts back, which is quite interesting. Can you tell me more about that? What specifically did they say about why these parents (laughs) whose kids have these severe allergies wanted to see this policy changed? Well, they, uh, they, they did not want it. They agreed. I mean, they had some concerns, but they agreed. And um, they agreed because um, um, they believed, and so do I, that education is um, a lot more helpful and will do a lot better than prohibition. And this is the path that um, we've chosen to take at um, L'Ecole Emilie Tremblay. Tell me about the education, because you have said in past that not allowing nuts into class gives kids a false sense of security. So what is the education component of this? Yes. Well, education uh, will go in when you uh, take out your lunchbox, you sit at your place, you do not move around, uh, you wash your hands before and mostly after uh, eating. You do not share any pieces of food. Um, and this is a big part because kids really tend to uh, want to pick in each other's boxes. And um, you wash your tables. And um, that's mainly it. You also educate parents to um, reiterate that message to children. And um, the, the, um, the teachers or the, the lunch, the supervisor, the adult supervising the staff is walking around and, you know, making sure that this is happening. I mean, it sounds easy, but it, it needs to be taught. Mm. Teach, yeah, children will learn what you teach them. So it has to be specifically taught. What about training for the staff? I mean, what sort of, because this is a big change when, when suddenly something is allowed that wasn't allowed before. Um, that's on staff as well to monitor this. So what sort of training have you given the staff? Yeah, we um, all staff had to take a, um, a training in online and a practice um, through, uh, it's called les, um, um, connaître les allergies dot it's of course a French <laughs> training, mm-hmm. and we all had to take it. Uh, like every school, every staff member had to take it prior to uh, implementing the policy, which started and last Monday. And uh, we have um, education in the office, and children that have severe allergy also are um, listed, um, and in not only in their classroom but in a. Um, in the safe um, staff room, and the, uh, we know where their medication is if needed. But, you know, there's not only nuts and uh, peanuts, there's also severe fish and seafood allergies that were never, you know, brought up. So, I mean, if you think about all those elements, there's bees allergies. So really, are we going to not allow bees in outside? No. So education is... We believe in the path to grow, to know, to, yeah, to go. This is really interesting to hear, but we're going to talk more about this um, and, and, and how this may or may not square with the evidence around uh, allergies right now. But in the meantime, Marie-Hélène, thank you very much. Have a great day at school. 
All right, thank you. Have a good one. Marie-Hélène Gagnier is the principal of École Émilie Tremblay. She was in Whitehorse. Dr. Susan Wasserman is an allergist and professor of medicine at McMaster University. And she led a team that published new guidelines in 2021 on allergies in schools, recommended against widespread bans on nuts in schools, except in limited special circumstances. Dr. Wasserman, good morning to you. Good morning, Matt. What do you make of what's going on at the school in Whitehorse? Well, look, I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, we hadn't really heard about this in a couple of years because COVID sort of took over the healthcare scene. Uh, but, you know, I think that uh, the principal here has really done uh, what we would have recommended in terms of listening to the parents within the school, uh, in addition to the staff, perhaps, and her focus on education. Uh, I think that a lot of that probably conforms to what we would have recommended. And it is a change of direction and quite anxiety provoking, uh, probably for the parents of, you know, peanut and, and uh, nut allergic children. Mm. I want to talk about that anxiety in a moment. But from you sure. published guidelines in 2021. What did you learn about what evidence there is or isn't about whether food bans actually keep students safer? Uh, Matt, the evidence was not of great quality. We spent five years putting this together. We had a rigorous methodology uh, team from McMaster with many stakeholders. And the evidence, in fact, led us to only make what is called conditional recommendations, meaning that we think that the benefits of these recommendations outweigh the risks, but we are not 100% certain. And when you do make conditional recommendations, what follows is that anybody who's making policies around these recommendations right. has to go back to their own particular context and their stakeholders. And I think that, you know, in this particular school, it sounds like there were pretty widespread consultations around what people wanted and ultimately agreed to. So that was sort of, you know, the outcome uh, of the guideline. It's a place to start. The focus does have to be on education. The research around bans was certainly highly variable, and it only supported it uh, in certain contexts based on what we saw. It was not sort of the end-all and be-all of, uh, of safety for these children in the school situation. It's just one of many measures, and again, only a conditional recommendation uh, in this case. If the evidence doesn't support a blanket ban on foods that, that could create severe allergic reactions. Why do you think the bans are still in place? Well, listen, it's just the beginning. Um, as I said, these guidelines were published in 2021. We've certainly had uh, a healthcare crisis in COVID that has taken over the attention uh, of schools and really the healthcare system in general. I think that this has been institutionalized for many years uh, and change is hard. It's going to take a lot of negotiation and consultation and a focus uh, on education. But let me go back to what so I asked earlier. Why, I mean, yeah. the, the question is, does the science actually support those bans? And it, it, from your, you're suggesting, I mean, there's context and, and the bans, as you say, are a starting point. But does the science actually support banning nuts in schools no, to keep kids safe? No. Um, you know, we would have to say that this is what led to the conditional recommendations. There is not a high degree of evidence, of good quality evidence, that supports bans in schools of, you know, of certain foods. At this point, you know, we would have to say that it's just one of many measures 
which should be put in place and that it may be appropriate for the younger or who can't self-manage. But otherwise, the science did not support it, which is what led to our recommendations. But the science is not great quality, Matt. You have to sort of, you know, take into account that this is what we're dealing with. Mm. It's the best that we came up with, with uh, you know, based on our uh, on our scientific investigation. One of the things you've learned um, are that there are possible downsides to these bans, right? What harm could they possibly do in the school? Yeah, well, look, over the years, there's no question we've seen evidence of bullying amongst children who have been food allergic. They have felt stigmatized. Some schools have handled this situation by having allergen-free zones or milk-free tables or this sort of thing. Uh, Children will not attend certain social events like milk days, pizza days, other things if they have a milk allergy, for instance. So in some ways, uh, you know, it's been an isolating experience for some of the affected children, and that's the downside. Mm. You know, on the other side, we luckily, uh, you know, in the past decade or so, have not had a death within the school. So in many ways, schools have done a great job. But really, education, in addition to food restriction uh, in, you know, certain contexts, uh, is probably the answer going forward. We're out of time, but let me just very briefly ask you, this is, as you've said, a very divisive and sensitive issue. And I wonder, in talking about this, if you... If you ease those bans, if you allow that food back into school, how you go about bringing people on side who who might be, for very obvious reasons, they want their kids to be safe at school. How do you go about bringing them on side? Yeah, that's going to be a very important question going forward. And the answer is communication. I mean, you know, your school and your teachers want to keep your children safe, as do you. So this is going to take education. It's going to take a level of confidence amongst the parents that the school has done everything it can, uh, you know, in terms of hygiene measures, understanding anaphylaxis, recognizing signs and symptoms. And I think that as some of these bans get lifted, an important go forward for us as scientists is going to have to be to work with these schools to create registries where there's careful documentation and monitoring of any allergic reactions that happen within the school. Because this sort of capture of data has been a problem in the past, which is what led to some of the poor quality science that we've seen over the years. Dr. Wasserman, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Dr. Susan Wasserman is an allergist and professor of medicine at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. I'm Kathleen Goltar, and I'm the host of a new podcast, Crime Story. Every week, we bring you a different crime, told by the storyteller who knows it best. You got one witness who can't be found. You got another witness who's murdered. We couldn't sugarcoat this story. I was getting calls from Cosby's attorney threatening to sue every day. Every crime in one way or another is a reflection of who we are as a people, as a city, as a country. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Jennifer Gertz is the executive director of Food Allergy Canada. She also has children with multiple food allergies. Jennifer, good morning to you. Good morning, Matt. As a parent with, as as I say, children with uh, multiple food allergies, what went through your mind when you heard about the school in Whitehorse lifting some of its restrictions? Well, actually... I applauded the principal and the community to take a community-based approach in putting a great deal of emphasis on allergy awareness and allergy education. So, you know, for people with food allergy, 
if you feel confident that the people around you understand the seriousness of food allergy, understand the need to, uh, the necessity to avoid your allergen, and will support you in helping do that, then it feels safe. It feels safe. Okay. Without that mm. education, then and then you're left to going, okay, what exactly are you doing? Because on a daily basis, this community faces uh, a number of different people in community settings that don't understand food allergies. Do you think people understand that? I mean, from your perspective, again, as somebody who lives with this through your kids, do you think people understand that? I think there is mixed understanding of what it means to have a food allergy, okay? Because it gets mixed in with intolerance. It get, it Peanut is probably the most well understood as a serious food allergy. And part of that is due to the fact that some of the schools have put these restrictions in place. It all of a sudden elevates it to, wow, this must be serious, right? There are a lot of other allergies, other food allergies. My children have multiple food allergies. So it's not just about peanut and tree nut. And having the community unilaterally understand, you know, this is serious. We hear this from the community in terms of what they want from our organization is help us help others understand the seriousness of this condition and that it's not a choice so that we don't have these um, uh, battles with others around, you know, this is just what we need to do mm. to stay safe. We need to avoid what we're allergic to. Is there... And again, speaking to Dr. Wasserman, she says that the science isn't particularly great right now. But from your understanding, is there actual evidence that supports those bans? That the, the bans would actually keep, there, there's evidence that it would keep kids safer? You know, I I don't know. I can't speak to, to whether there's evidence to support it. Um, what I can tell you is when I hear things like, well, the ban leads to a false sense of security. So which, which is what we heard from the principal, yeah. Yeah, well, and you know what? And I don't, I, I, as someone uh, living with food allergy in my family, the false sense of security thing is is frankly a bit insulting to think that a, a, a parent of a child with food allergy would say the school is entirely responsible because they've got a ban and I'm not going to do anything else. And, I mean, yet there were, and yet there were parents who had children with food allergies who, I mean, again, they weren't uh, advocating for this, but they supported the lifting of that ban. They supported it. But uh, just back to this whole idea of a false sense of security, Matt, it's, you know, parents of children with food allergies spend a lot of time raising their children to have the skills to self-manage, like don't share your food, only eat the food you bring, you brought from home, wash your hands, carry your epi, you know, and in our, in our uh, family, it was uh, if there's no epi, there's no food, right? So we spend a lot of time doing other things, teaching them how to read labels. So to to uh, infer that, you know, we le turn it over to the schools because they've got a ban in place, it, uh, it, that doesn't that doesn't hold well. Would you support the lifting of the bans for other elementary students in a more widespread way if that education piece that the principal talked about was present in in those settings? There, I, it would have, there'd be two requirements. One is the education piece. And I'd want to understand what the education is that students and staff are, are um, uh, provided with. And then the other thing is, is I want to understand the other policies. Like, let's be honest, peanut butter's messy. Okay. And so, 
you know, the other risk mitigation factors that need to be considered are, you know, what are the the strategies that they're taking to reduce the possibility that a child could come into contact mm. with their allergen? So, you know, do they have the proper cleaning uh, cleaning in place? We we saw during COVID certainly that you know this idea of hand washing and cleaning became part of of what schools were doing. So, you know, can those kind of things uh, be continued? Let's think about adult supervision. You know, in in many uh, situations, children are eating in their classroom, and they and the younger kids might be being supervised by the kid in grade five, Mm. right? So, you know, do you, can you get the uh, adult supervision in place? And so, and having an emergency response plan. So I think, you know, developmental readiness needs to be considered in that policy. Are the children in this school and in this class developmentally ready to self-manage? Have you got a good risk mitigation strategy for where kids are eating? Mm. And do you have the resources to implement it? Just very very briefly, we only have a few seconds left. But why why do you think this issue is so divisive? It's, well, we're trying to have a reasonable conversation about this, but but at the same time, you know that there are people who are listening who will be outraged right. by even the idea of the lifting of the ban. Right. So let's think about when the bans came in place. This was well before policy, okay? And this was well before there was under, more broad understanding of food allergy. So if you go back 20 years mm. and we're talking – and we were having the conversation about what is food allergy – there was less that was understood, okay? But I actually think the other thing that needs to be considered here is the education system not just needs to kind of think about reducing, maybe uh, changing their policies on this, but they need to actually take, put this part of curriculum, Mm. make this part of food literacy. You know, we do have a program called All About Food Allergy that does that. Like, this is a life skill, right? We're going to have to leave it there because we are at a time, and it is fascinating, and I think this will be the subject of conversation across this country. Jennifer, thank you very much. Thank you, Ben. Jennifer Gertz is Executive Director of Food Allergy Canada. Your thoughts on this would be welcome. Email us, thecurrent, at cbc.ca. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.